so this is a very interesting experience. Um, not having ever done this before. Some of my colleagues I know have been broadcasting from their own homes and such for a long time. Um, but this is a very unusual day. It's a very unusual day after Christmas, especially. Um, usually the day after Christmas is kind of a harsh snap back to reality. I know that for the church world, uh, officially we're just getting started. The 12 days of Christmas that we hear about actually begin on Christmas Day in the church. Officially, we're then just getting started and we will be celebrating the birth of Christ until uh, January 6th, which is Epiphany. Realistically, though, uh, it's usually over by today, the 26th, the day after. The tree stopped taking water days ago. Uh, there's a lot of packaging that has to be disposed of. There are a lot of wine bottles that need to be recycled. And yet, like I was saying with the kids, a day like today can extend the feelings of joy and peace. And similarly, our scripture for this remi morning reminds us that because Christ has visited our planet, because Jesus was born, we will never go back to the same old, same old. Our scripture reminds us that Christmas is truly just the beginning of experiencing the glory of God. Because of Jesus, all the promise of the holy day, the holiday, will be fulfilled. But our story this morning actually starts with a bit of a problem. Uh, those who were keeping an eye on things for the wedding are worried that the party is about to end soon. Uh, Jesus's mother told him they're just about out of wine. Um, there are some people who think that this would have been a really bad situation. Weddings were a huge deal for people, especially in villages, as William Barclay, the Scottish pastor from last century notes, in life where there was much poverty and constant hard work, this week of festivity and joy was one of the supreme occasions. So if you run out of wine, and the party ends abruptly, Tom Wright, the British theologian, thinks that that would have been a horrible problem. He writes, running out of wine was not just inconvenient, but a social disaster and disgrace. The family would have to live with the shame of it for a long time to come. Bride and groom might regard it as bringing bad luck, on their married life. And yet, there is a little clue in the original Greek that suggests that this might have been a bit more of a mundane problem than many scholars think. In the original Greek, there's a little joining word linking verses 2 and 3. Um, 
the part about how three days later, wedding in Cana, Jesus's mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also. And when the wine started running low at the wedding banquet, Jesus's mother told them they're just about out of wine. So that little and there. Uh, Dale Bruner, the former professor and Bible scholar from uh, Whitworth College, writes, the normal word there, and, chi in the Greek, the normal and not adversative, and, at the very beginning of that sentence, almost suggests that for the writer it's normal for crises or emergencies, or at least for problems like this to arise in life. The sentence, he notes, is not introduced with a more surprised, however, as if uh, Jesus and his disciples were guests also, however, when the wine started running low, or, he says, even a but, but the wine started running low, or look, like uh, is translated in our Revelation passage, look, the wine ran out. No, he writes, Bruno writes just simply, wine gives out, and then it happened, which perhaps it happened a lot. Stuff happens. In some respects, this is just life showing up. The wine runs out. The party ends. Christmas is over. And yet, because Jesus is there, it's not over. There's a lot of speculation about why Jesus' mother Mary both cares that the wine has run out and tells Jesus specifically about the problem. Some other stories that were written about the same time as our Gospels suggest that Mary was actually the sister of the groom's mom. So she had a, a family interest in this. One story in particular actually believes that the groom was John the Baptist. Mary was his aunt, and so Jesus was his cousin. Whatever the reasons behind Mary's personal concern and the roping in of Jesus, Jesus was clearly caught off guard. But, as moms often are more aware of things, that doesn't slow Mary down at all. Jesus says, is that any of our business, mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time, is what his issue was. Don't rush me, don't push me. She went ahead anyway, telling the servants, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And he steps up. Jesus comes through in a big way. He gets the staff to fill these huge jars with water, and he turns it into not just any wine, but great wine. In fact, the host says, everybody I know begins with their finest wines, and after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff. But you've saved the best till last. And so, the celebration continues. Our writer, John, wants to make sure that everyone knows what is going on. And unfortunately, I just lost my place. 
here we go. Uh, he writes in verse 11, this act in Cana of Galilee was the first sign Jesus gave, the first glimpse of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. In Jesus, the day of the Lord has dawned. The day that was foreseen by Amos. Uh, again, the, the more little, literal translation of Amos's prophecy is that the day of the Lord has come or is coming any moment now. And uh, part of what that will include is the wine will flow. Uh, as we heard it in the message, it will it will run from the hills, that people will plant vineyards and drink wine. That's part of the joy of, of life. Um, it's, a, it's a symbol of the celebration of life and the provision, the abundant provision that God gives us. One of the books that was written in between uh, the time of our two testaments, so the Hebrew uh, Scriptures had been set for the most part, and the, the Greek ones had not yet begun. Um, there's a book, Second Baruch, uh, and one of the commenta commentators uh, notes how this particular book estimates just how prevalent wine will be in God's kingdom. It goes, uh, we find an exuberantly fantastic description of this abundance. The earth shall yield its fruit 10,000-fold. Each vine shall have a thousand branches. Of each branch, a thousand clusters. Each cluster, a thousand grapes. And each grape, each grape, mind you, about 120 gallons of wine. One grape. 120 gallons, and there will be a thousand on each cluster, thousands of clusters on each branch, and thousands of branches. Anyway, a whole lot of wine available. In our scripture this morning, John is telling the world that the presence of Jesus brings glimpses of this abundance and joy. Glimpses of what we will experience one day in full and forever. As that New Testament passage revealed, it will be like a wedding banquet on the day when we are fully and forever reunited, when a new heaven and a new earth will be, and there will be no more crying, no more tears, because all the bad things will have gone, and all the new will come, and God will be with us fully. Uh, in fact, Later in that, it says there won't even be a temple because God's presence will be everywhere, always. And it will be like a wedding banquet. It's one of the images of it. It will be like the day when a bride and a groom come together. Um, and the wine will never run out. For now, though, for now... The Christmas tree will still dry out and need to be taken out to the curb. Uh, the empty wine bottles will still need to be tossed into the recycle bin. Yet with the presence of Jesus, we never know 
when we will catch a glimpse of God's glory. As Gerard Sloyan, a professor from Temple, writes about our text for this morning, John, who wrote the text, John knows from the experience of years now, by the time he wrote this, that to believe in Jesus as the Christ is to live a life within a life. Nothing has changed, but everything has changed. What had been water is wine. Word has become flesh. An hour that has not yet come, Jesus saying, I'm not ready yet, is the old aeon and the new dance, a figured minuet. What will be is. What seems to be is no more. In this word and light of God who is a person, all is new. Uh, I want to end, I was going to do this originally, but this works out perfectly since we're sort of in the uh, masterpiece theater mode. Um, I want to read a a piece from W.H. Auden's Christmas Oratorio. Uh, His work is called the For the Time Being. And it's about Christmas and the birth of Christ and all those things. And um, towards the... Uh, at the very end of this oratorio that's called For the Time Being, Auden writes this. Well, so that is that. Now we must dismantle the tree, putting the decorations back into our cardboard boxes. Some have gotten broken and carrying them up to the attic. The holly and the mistletoe must be taken down and burnt and the children got ready for school. There are enough leftovers to do warmed up for the rest of the week. Not that we have much appetite, having drunk such a lot, stayed up so late, attempted quite unsuccessfully to love all of our relatives, and in general, grossly overestimated our powers. He goes on, The promising child, uh, excuse me, the Christmas feast is already a fading memory and already the mind begins to be vaguely aware of the unpleasant whiff of apprehension at the thought of Lent and Good Friday, which cannot, after all, now be very far off. But for the time being, here we all are, back in the moderate Aristotelian city of Darning in the 815 where Euclid's geometry and Newton's mechanics would account for our experience. And the kitchen table exists because I scrub it. It seems to have shrunk during the holidays. The streets are much narrower than we remembered. We had forgotten the office was as depressing as this. To those who have seen the child, however dimly, however incredulously, The time being is, in a sense, the most trying of all. Outside the locked, excuse me, for the innocent children who whispered so excitedly, outside the locked door where they knew the presence to be grew up when it opened. Now, recollecting that moment, we can repress the joy, but the guilt remains conscious. Remembering the stable, where for once in our lives, everything became a you and nothing was an it.
Everything became a you and nothing was an it. Well, he closes with a chorus. He is the way. Follow him through the land of unlikeness. You will see rare beasts and have unique adventures. He is the truth. Seek him in the kingdom of anxiety. You will come to a great city that has expected your return for years. He is the life. Love him in the world of the flesh. And at your marriage, all its occasions shall dance for joy. Thanks be to God.